<laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joel, have you seen that movie? You seen that movie, Joe? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. In our 670 of the score studios, Jordan Malley. Shout out to Jordan Malley. Did Matt Peck get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't. No, no. no. Talk to D. Rose. Yeah, guys, you're going to make, make Matt, it happen. Matt, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best hour of your your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast. Locked on Bulls, five days a week. Locked on Bulls starts now. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails. We get into a lot of those today, but if you want to get in on the action for next week's mailbag episode, definitely drop us your texts and voicemails, 331-979-1369. Probably easier just to save that number and your phone is locked on Bulls. So if you have a thought while you're listening to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can drop that thought there either by text or by phone call. Matt, how are you? Happy Friday to you. I know we're recording this a day early uh, because you are traveling up to Michigan. So we figured we'd give our listeners a little bit of a Friday mailbag to bring you into the weekend but how are you how you doing what's up jordan what's up bulls nation uh doing well looking forward to uh some more non-sports sports content over the weekend uh, a lot of great stuff being you know broadcast out there i know uh espn's doing some throwback college hoop stuff in the absence of march madness we were talking on yesterday's show about the nbc sports chicago replay the Bulls rewind of their 96 playoff run and they're pairing it with also a rewind of the Blackhawks Stanley Cup title run in 2010. So, you know, there's there's a void that needs to be filled and and everybody's doing their part to fill it, including, you know, you and me still doing five Bulls podcasts a week. I don't I don't know how and where we'll be. Oh, I don't know. A couple weeks from now, (laughs) assuming the NBA is still gone, which very much likely will be the case. But we journey onward. That is for sure. I think uh, what we have planned over the next several weeks probably be a lot of draft-heavy stuff, a lot of free agency talk, uh, and then, I don't know, whatever else we decide we want to do. Matt, the only thing that I could say that I could do away with, and I I feel a little bit of a hypocrite because I have a really great idea for us to do it, but man, I'm already sick of the bracket thing. Like, everybody's doing a bracket. Like, Take the brackets and shove them up your ass, man. I, I could care less about them. And maybe that's just me being cynical and just having to see like one out of every three tweets about somebody about a bracket that I don't care about. Um, but I don't know. That's how I feel. I feel like the bracket thing is just like, oh, here's here's a content thing because we don't have NCAA tournament stuff to go on. But in the same light, I have a really, really good bracket idea for us to do. I don't want to spoil it. So I'll tell you after we're done recording. But. I could, I think it's time I could do away with the bracket thing for a couple of months. Yeah, I feel you on that. You know, I've never been a big, a big bracket guy, um, other than you know filling out the real one every year for March Madness. Um, and boy, I, I mean, 
I like I felt a void over the last week with no NBA basketball, no Blackhawks hockey to watch. At least over the last 48 hours or so, we've, we've started to get some NFL storylines with free agency and, you know, Bears fans like you and me are, you know, I think mostly rolling our eyes at some of the offseason signings and trades the Bears have made, including Jimmy Graham and Nick Foles over the past few days. But at least it's something. Um, but right now, like I feel like there's some instinctual like vibe in my body that's like I should be watching six college basketball games simultaneously right now, and I'm not, <laughs> and it sucks. I should be thinking about who uh, – wow. I lost his name. Who's the dude that does the Masters? Jim – Jim Nance. There you go. I've been mulling over who Jim Nance was going to give his tie to at the end of the game. Didn't Ryan Archidiacono get – Jim Nance's tie like a couple years ago when they won at Villanova when he won the championship. I'm pretty sure he did. Somebody will have to look that up for us, but I'm pretty sure Jim Nance I don't gave remember. his tie. I, I, I do know that he has a title belt from winning the Bulls one-on-one tournament in training camp. Ooh. So. <laughs> Can you... I can't even believe that, too. I totally forgot about that. Him winning a one-on-one tournament. Unbelievable. Uh, But, Matt, before we get to texts and voicemails, there is one quick storyline that we didn't talk about on yesterday's episode that I thought I wanted to just kind of get your idea on. Uh, So, Adam Silver was on SportsCenter with Rachel Nichols uh, two nights ago and talked a little bit about laying out what the NBA is going to decide to do, what's the best-case scenario, what's the worst-case scenario, what are some other ideas that they're coming up with. And one that... He said that they were, you know, talking over was a possible uh, charity game to play with 16 players or 20 players and basically anybody who's tested negative trying to find a spot where there wasn't a mass outbreak of coronavirus to try to play something and donate all the money to charity and trying to help uh, with this huge outbreak. I think it's a really, really good idea. I don't know if the NBA is going to necessarily be able to pull it off. Uh, the only way they would be able to do that is without fans. And even then, it would still be, what, 90 days from last week when they announced the NBA was going to shut down for a minimum of, of three months. Uh, but what do you think about this idea if this coronavirus thing continues to linger on throughout the middle of the summer and even into the fall? I like the motivation behind it. I like where the idea is stemming from. And that is, of course, charitable donation. What I don't like is that it seems like opening up a can of worms. It seems like we're taking all of these precautions right now. You know, just uh, yesterday, Woj and, you know, and Shams and everybody was tweeting about how the NBA is, as of today, shutting down practice facilities, training facilities of all teams. For a while, it was like, well, maybe at least we can keep the gyms open so these guys can continue to work out, you know, in the, in their in their team's home cities. And now, no, not even that. The gyms, the training facilities are shut down until further notice. So if you're taking measures like that, and we have NBA players testing positive last week, yesterday, day before yesterday, c- cases growing in big cities all over the country, this just seems like a, like a, a step in the wrong direction when we're taking all these preventative measures to isolate, to quarantine, to prevent contact. So you know what you could, you could be charitable in a lot of ways and you can raise money. And I know that it would be great to be like, let's all get together and play a charity game. But I don't know. To me, it just seems like a giant, like face palm. What are you talking about? What are you doing idea? Yeah. I wonder if it's more to just kind of keep the, to gauge the interest 
of viewers, but also keep the attention of NBA fans without completely melting down and, you know, thinking about worst case scenarios. I'm a huge ideas guy. I don't know about how they would be able to execute this, but I do appreciate the fact that they are trying to constantly think of new ways to try to engage their audience while this whole massive shutdown is going on. But I am with you too. Like, even if it is three months from now and things do tend to get a little bit better, we're still not going to be completely out of the woods. And like you said, all the precautions that we're taking now, wouldn't that kind of just, I don't know, exit out everything that we've done over the last three months? And I get it if it's only 20, 25 players playing and it's no crowds, just main officials, and maybe they even broadcast it. Those people being in a stadium together, then it might be fine, but... I don't know. I'm with you, but at least they're they're trying. They're they're desperately trying to come up with every avenue, any way to get people content and how they can go about this kind of un, this really unprecedented situation. So I will give them credit for it, but I'm with you too. I don't know how they'd be able to pull something like that off. Yeah, it just seems logistically to be uh, just kind of a, a nightmare scenario because. If you have, and I know, I like, I, I guess one element to it is it seems like NBA players and NBA teams are getting access to tests far more easily than the average person in the United States right now. And there was even kind of a back and forth between, you know, uh, the media and the Brooklyn Nets when they were the most recent team to say, well, we tested everybody and four tests came back positive. And people are saying, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait, how are these NBA teams getting access to this many tests? when they don't appear to be readily available, uh, you know, to, to the masses. And, and how does that work? So if teams in the NBA are feeling like it's necessary because of the amount of players and contact that happens in just one week worth of games and travel, I, you know, even if you say, okay, we're only getting together players who have tested negative for this already and we're doing a charity game with them, it still seems like an unnecessary risk to take. And and the NBA was so, as they have been on many fronts with Adver at the helm, progressive to say, all right, this is what we're doing. This is the action that must be taken. We cannot continue to take any unnecessary risks with this. So shut it down. And all of the other leagues, uh, professional leagues, NCAA, everybody else followed suit. It was like Rudy Gobert tested positive and the entire country said, oh, crap, maybe we should take this more seriously. The NBA was at the forefront of the breaking news. And then so to to backtrack from that and say, well, yeah, these are serious dark times, but but let's get together and play a game of basketball. I, I just like I, 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 I fail to see the connective logic there. It's a learning moment. And we'll learn from it. I do, too. Oh, shut up, Jim. <laughs> Jim Boylan. We, we have we have gone more than a week without an, a Bulls basketball game now, Jordan. I do not need to hear from Jim Boylan. Oh, I I don't. I will it has say, been such a little mental <laughs> burden to not have to listen to Jim Boylan post game press conferences. I mean, I I can't be alone there, right? There's a lot of banging going on. I I'll honestly say this: I do kind of miss Jim Boylan. I just miss having the ability to see what he's going to say next. It's just. It, that's the one thing if Chip Boylan does get fired in this offseason 
he's going to probably go down on the Mount Rushmore of Chicago coaches is like all time soundboard. Right. I mean, we had John Fox say some of the dumbest shit every time he walked up there in the press conferences. But Jim Boylan's got to be up there, too. Like, And it's not even some dumb stuff. It's just John Hollinger put it perfect when he said Jim Boylan is a caricature. He literally is. And so I, I will miss Jim Boyle, but I, I I don't know, man. I miss I miss a little bit of Jim. I miss a little bit of him not having him around for a week or not hearing from him for at least a week. Uh, uh yeah, no, I I miss Jim Boyle, and like I miss my you know Clamidagana Herpolis. <laughs> He's a baller. He balls. He, maybe you have some introspection. Uh, Matt, before we get to the voicemails, real quick, the Joe Kim Noah story. How about that? How funny was that? That he overtook his apartment complex, his entire gym to try to keep in shape, and people got pissed and basically reported him to the police. I found that story to be a very, very positive and funny story in a time where we need stuff like that. I love it. In my eyes, Joe Kim can do no wrong. You know that. Everybody that listens to this podcast or watches Outsiders knows this. He is my second favorite bull of all time behind MJ. And I am so happy for him. And also immediately so sad for him that he gets this shot. He signs a 10-day with the Clippers. He's on the bench but in street clothes for a game of theirs before the NBA gets shut down. I was so excited to watch Joe Keem play. I was so friggin' excited. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's a funny story. And uh, obviously, you, you can already tell NBA players are getting a little stir crazy. Like, um, do you see the uh, the video that, uh, who was, was it? Was it Matisse Thibel recently who just, like, did that, yeah, doing dri- the TikTok. Uh, uh, that dribbling exercise through a bunch of chairs in his living room hallway? Like, oh, I saw a different one. I saw him doing a, a thing where, he, I don't know what it was. He had, like, a little statue with a perfectly symmetrical hole in the middle. And he was taking a ping pong ball in his house and, like, bouncing it up in between stuff and trying to bounce the ball through it. So I did see that one, and I'm like, holy shit, if these this is what these dudes are doing with their time, man, I don't know what they're going to be doing two months from now. I saw Trey Young saying he made a funny video where he was, like, trying to keep in form with my shot, and he was shooting uh, socks into a into a basket. So it is. It, it's going to be great for all the the NBA players that aren't millennials or you know Gen Z guys who are perfectly content in playing video games all day. It's going to be a it's going to be a tough go for some of these guys. But uh, Joe Kim, no, who was it? Who was like, uh, man, I suck at at uh, at video games. Some NBA player recently <laughs> just tweeted out that they weren't good at video games. I can't remember who. I, I thought it was hilarious. This though. is a good time to start, I guess. I did see Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns playing each other. Uh, last night on Twitch, which you'll see a lot of guys start to do is open up if they don't have a Twitch account right now, they'll start to open up Twitch accounts and start to stream, which Matt, I think as the weeks go on could get interesting. We might hear stories we never would have gotten from these guys uh, just because out of pure boredom or just talking, feeling very casual. We're going to get some we're going to get some good behind the scenes stories, I feel like, in the coming weeks or months if this continues. And this is the only form of real communication these guys can have with their fans uh, outside of social media. So I'm I'm very excited for that. But I think the rest of the episode, let's just go straight to our voicemails. Uh, Thanks to everybody who dropped us some voicemails. And if you want to do the same, 331-979-1369. Let's check in with Corey. We haven't heard from Corey in a long time, Matt. see what he's got to say. Hey, guys. This is Corey Solomon of uh, California. I've been on here before, and I finally got a chance to 
to speak to you guys. I've been looking at this sorry Bulls team all season thus far. And the one thing I want to get at uh, Matt and uh, Jordan is that uh, Jim Bolin, Jim Bolin is stunting the growth of this team. And uh, if we had a new coach, this team would be so much better. We probably we probably will be in AC uh, uh, fighting the playoffs for a playoff spot. But Jim Bolin is stunting the growth of this team. And what do you guys think? The Bulls should let Thomas Sadoransky be the point guard. Let him run plays. Let him control the team. Let him get everybody involved. Still, just kind of like let with this uh, multiple ball handler and multiple people can shoot. Let Sadoransky get the team involved. Let him pass it to the person that needs it. And go to marking it every time down. Uh. That's the only way they're going to be successful. The, the way they're playing right now, man, we ain't going to never win. The Bills will never win nothing, man, until we get Jim Bowling out of there. And new coaching staff, new front office. We, it's going to be like this for for, them, for now on. Next year will be the same. Following year, year after next. So, guys, give me your feedback on what you think. And uh, y'all keep doing what you do best. I love you guys. Bye. Thanks for the call, Corey. Couple things on this, Matt. I know, like towards the end of the season, we were starting to talk a lot more about Kobe White and him being the him being the starter. But I mean, I can't I can't deny the fact that the multiple ball handler system is hurting Lowry Markkinen more than anybody else. I think on this team, and it seems like the direction of this team has been bizarre all year. And again. I won't blame everything on Jim Boylan just because the injuries are a factor, and I don't want to sound like John Paxson when I'm talking about it, but it is. It's a factor. When you have to run guys out there, like, and this is no diss on him, but Ryan Archidiakno or Shaq Harrison, or ask these guys to play out of position on top of that, just makes everything so much more difficult. But I think I'm with Corey on this. Is like, pick somebody... Pick an idea and keep with it. Don't change things up halfway through. If you're going to do the multi-ball handler system, whether it succeeds or fails, continue with it. That's how I feel. Be consistent. I don't know about Thomas Sadoransky, though. You know, we've seen some ups and downs. He's been okay this year. He's been not very good, and he's had some stretches where he's been pretty good. I think ultimately, though, I don't know if the Bulls are going to wedge Kobe White to try to make him a point guard. I don't think that's necessarily the best option for him, but I think I'm with Corey. Is like, they got to get... Lowry marketing more involved and they have to figure out what they want to do with this offense. If you're multi-ball handler, marketing is either going to have to figure it out and figure out how to adjust to it or you got to trade him. Uh, but he seems like the one that's hurt most by this multi-ball handler system. And he's been kind of, he's been kind of outspoken, I guess, about it. Although he won't bash Jim Boylan or anybody that's making the decisions about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a tricky situation. And I think, the first thing you have to address is the fact that in all likelihood, crossing my fingers when I say in all likelihood, Jim Boylan and this offensive system will not be here next season and that they will get a fresh start and that even things that, that I have been told, which is that Lowry Markkinen has been told, hang in there, changes are coming and we are going to put more of an emphasis on getting you back into the best spot for where you can be effective offensively after such a frustrating season. So with that, you kind of just, you, you we're in a holding pattern to see what exactly happens and who maybe, a, a, you know, whoever the, the new GM that they bring in chooses to be this team's next head coach. And, and we go from there as far as what kind of system they're going to try and run next season. Um, 
as far as the the Sadaransky stuff that uh, Corey was talking about, I mean, I was and Jordan, you know this. I I was on board with Sato being this team's starting point guard out of the gate this season, and I thought that giving Kobe that that job right out of the gate as a rookie was too much, too much pressure, too much of a responsibility, too much of a burden, and we saw Kobe struggle through the first part of the rookie season. He hit a rookie wall. His percentages were real low. And we saw this amazing bounce back from, from Kobe, you know, in, in February, in the first part of March, where he was playing really well. Meanwhile, Sato was playing like crap. So at that point, I assessed the situation and said, well, at this point, when you're talking about development, the playoffs are out the window and wins and losses don't matter anymore. Why not start Kobe and see what the, the Kobe-Zach backcourt looks like and unfortunately you know Zach got that that leg injury right around the time when Jim finally came to the you know to the conclusion to start Kobe so we didn't even get to see that for for a handful of games but Kobe White to me is so much more of an obvious part of this team's future now based on what we saw him show us at the back end of this season than Sadoransky will Sadoransky was like a smart savvy you know under the radar our signing to be a role player who was supposed to highlight the strengths and put the focus on players like Zach and Lowry and Wendell didn't really work out that way this season. And yes, Sato is under contract for another season at least. And, you know, there's like a, a partial guarantee on a third year, much like the Thad Young deal. But to me, the answer simply now is this team right now, moving forward into the next season is about Zach. It's about Lowry, hopefully, and a new system for him. And it's about Kobe White. And that's about as clear cut as I can see it. I guess the only thing that kind of confuses me then is thinking about this is one, what do you do about Wendell's concerns about him saying he would feel more comfortable playing his natural position to power forward? What do you, how do you deal with that situation? And also two, do we foresee this team being able to be successful with Kobe and Kobe White and Zach Levine being your backcourt, and do you feel comfortable enough with basically handing the keys over to Kobe White and saying, "Hey, you know what? We don't think you're you're the NBA's perfect point guard, but we're going to put you in that position where uh, we need somebody, and we don't have really a, a spot to fill you in in this kind of off-ball point guard mentality." And Zach Levine isn't the guy that you can have him run wing point either. I don't know. It just it feels like the Bulls have a lot of decent puzzle pieces but they're trying to fit it in slots that don't work necessarily and maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm wrong about Kobe White and Zach Levine and they can pair perfectly fine in a backcourt together and Kobe White is going to be a decent point guard in the NBA and that's not to say I don't think Kobe White's gonna be a good player I think he is I just don't think he's necessarily going to be a point guard or that's the most effective place to play him long term but maybe I'm wrong on that what do you think yeah I mean I think maybe it's it was, too early you know, to tell. Something that we talked about with Kobe coming out of the draft is: is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? Is combo guard? And you saw him do a little bit of everything at UNC. And I think, especially in today's NBA, that is becoming so you know amorphous and positionless basketball kind of stuff. But if you can have two players like Zach and Kobe who can break down defenses with their dribble, who can create their own shot and create shots for their teammates off the dribble, then, like, you know, call the point guard whoever you want and, and, and call the point guard as a position whatever you want. To me, it's it's mostly about scoring 
can you score? And who is handling the ball for the most part when you're scoring? But I, whether whether you want to call him a traditional point guard or not, you saw in the month of February, Kobe not only really increased the efficiency of his scoring, but he was also putting up five, six, seven, eight assists a night. And that was a really encouraging sign. I'm with you on that. And, you know, the thing is, is we're going to need somebody like that because we've seen it over the, like what the two and a half seasons Zach Levine has played here. He's a good ball handler, but when it comes down to the crunch time, man, I don't know if I completely trust Levine with him being the guy to try to guide the offense. Like I'm talking like last two minutes of a game, you know, you and I have counted over and over the amount of games that Zach Levine has turned the ball over. He's had butterfingers at the end and you need a guy that's going to be able to take care of the ball. And we thought maybe Sadoransky was going to be that guy to close games this year, or maybe even Kobe White. I just feel like, and maybe it's too, again, like I said before, maybe it's too early to tell with these guys and where they can fit, but if you go multi-ball handler, seems more conducive to what Zach and Kobe can do. If you don't, you try to play more of a pick-and-roll type of offense where you're focused on one guy kind of guiding the entire offense. It seems more conducive to guys like Wendell or to Lowry, so you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, at least in my mind right now, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Kobe White and Zach Levine are perfectly fine, or maybe Lowry Marketing can figure out this multi-ball handler system if they do decide to keep boiling around, but uh, thanks, for, thanks for checking in. Let's get to another voice mail here, Matt. Hey guys, this is uh, Danny. Uh, my question is, uh, looking at the billboard, so uh, I think it was a couple of years ago where it said uh, Fire Guard Pack. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm not from Chicago, California, uh, but uh, I don't know what exactly what you you guys put it on, but I, I remember a lot of people were making a lot of uh, a big deal about it. And it was in the spot where uh, a lot of people would see it. Did um, you think it would make, it would have made more sense, or I know it's before we found out the Oscar game is going to be here, but wouldn't it make more sense now that the Oscar game is going to be in Chicago for those times to be up now, like um, billboards, anything that causes attention for ESPN to go ahead and, uh, and, and see how much uh, Wolf fans despise Dark uh, uh, Foreman and his passion. So this was a voicemail that was dropped to us uh, a couple weeks before the All-Star game. And I kind of wanted to replay it back because hindsight thinking about it, Bulls fans showed out during All-Star weekend in terms of their spite for Gar Foreman, John Pax, and just the front office in, in general. I mean, Matt, we saw a flashing billboard on the north side of Chicago. We saw people on first take when they were doing the live interview with Zach Levine the chance in the background. We saw it multiple instances of this throughout All-Star Weekend. So what Danny was saying, I think ended up coming true, is Bulls fans, for the most part, voiced as much as they could their displeasure with the front office and kind tried as best as they could to make that a storyline. I told you, I was like, I think it's going to get drowned out, man. I think they're going to go to 90s Bulls stuff. I think they're going to reminisce about the Jordan era, and I think they're going to mostly ignore what's going on here on the floor and ignore what the problems they're having behind closed doors. And that was actually kind of the opposite. They did sprinkle in some 90s Bulls stuff and, of course, brought all those memories back. But still, at the same time, anywhere you looked nationally that guys were on shows or whatever they doing live shows, you saw different instances where Bulls fans were voicing their displeasure with this front office. Yeah, I think it's something that needed to happen. Um, 
And I think that, you know, we, we joked back when the first billboard came out on this very podcast and talked about whether or not it would be effective um, and uh, an effective way of getting the attention of ownership. And uh, uh, one of the other elements to Casey Johnson's mailbag um, that came out on Thursday morning was whether or not ownership has become aware of the national perception and the local perception of just how much of an embarrassment this team is to the NBA and the great city, the great basketball city of Chicago right now. And I think the answer is, yeah, All-Star Weekend certainly was the nail in the coffin of them becoming self-aware because look at this great basketball city. And in so many ways, the city of Chicago showed out and talking about it being one of the greatest all-star weekends that we've seen in quite some time. And where are the bulls in all of this? They're getting clowned on every national show. They're getting clowned on a national stage. And I, I do think it's funny that um, in, in a recent Cowley piece, I don't know if you mentioned, uh, t- noticed this Jordan. And I don't think we've talked about it yet. He mentioned, you know, front office changes are coming, et cetera, et cetera. In the meantime, he noted that Scotty Pippen is no longer on the Bulls letterhead as official advisor to the Reinsdorfs. He is no longer an ambassador for the Chicago Bulls. And he was seen on one of those very national televised shows, All-Star Weekend that you're talking about, where it looked like there were some fans chanting behind the set that Scotty was on, something about firing the Bulls front office and Scotty was waving him on an encouragement. And he was also talking on that very shot how he can't even name half this Bulls roster in this disgusting waste of a season. So yeah, the national attention, it got there. The message was delivered. And it's no coincidence to me that it was all-star weekend itself when we heard the first reports, the real reports, that the Bulls were beginning their search for front office overhaul. Here in the fall. What, MJ coming back? Yeah, <laughs> Tracy going right. MJ and Scotty, <laughs> right? Listen, the health had to be the number one thing. You got Wendell Carter, who's missed 18 games. You got Laurie Markkinen, who's missed like the last nine or 10. You got Otto Porter. These are three starters. That's your whole starting front court. And right. CJ. Yeah, that's Most true. of the games. These guys, I look out on the court, as Scotty knows these guys personally. Half the time you look out there, do you know who the starting lineup's going to be? No, I do not. <laughs> I don't even know half the players on the team. Okay. We, <laughs> we, that's brutal. That is absolutely yeah. brutal. When you have an ambassador of your organization, the arguably the second best player to ever p- put on a Bulls uniform, to say that? On the biggest stage, the biggest weekend for the NBA outside the finals? I mean, this, like you said, it was kind of a nonchalant, let, let's kind of news dump this one. But, I mean, I, I said it that weekend to somebody at the score. I'm like, I can't believe Scotty's out there actually saying this when he's still being paid by the Bulls to be an ambassador. And then sure enough, a couple weeks later, yeah, he's he's not in that role anymore. And I think this has been the third stint Scotty's had as an ambassador with the Bulls. I know early, like right after he retired, there was a few years where he was part of that. Then he left, then he came back around 2010, then he left again and then came back around, I think, 2015 or 2016. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's definitely not a good look when he said he can't even name half the guys on the roster. Nope, but he was being honest. And, uh, you know, the, the brutal honesty is is what has been needed to be delivered to, to ownership 
as a message for quite some time now. And I think the other thing that's gotten their attention is an empty United Center. Because after all the years of empty threats, Bulls fans actually finally stepped one up. And it is it must have been a pretty sobering thought, sobering sight for Jerry and Michael both to be sitting there in a United Center that had never been that empty. And I mean never. That building opened up in 1994 after the old Chicago Stadium was shut down. And the Bulls, without MJ, in that first UC season, still very relevant. First year after Michael retired, they went 55 and 27. Scotty was an MVP front runner. Horace was an all-star. BJ Armstrong was an all-star. 94-95, MJ comes back. Before he came back, UC still full to the brim every night. post years, that building still full and has been through decades up until this season. It started to taper off a little little bit last season this season it came crashing down and the Reinsdorfs can't ignore that I don't know how you I don't know if the Bulls and I'm sure the Bulls are not happy with the things that Scotty said but I don't know how uh, that affects their relationship with him and how he talks to players in the league currently I'm sure he's got great relationships with players in the league now how do if anybody asks him about what's going on with the Bulls now, how does he speak about this organization to other players? And how does that affect who we can recruit here? Like, it's the trickle-down effect when you think about this. Uh, but the other news, too, and I don't know if this was recently or if it was official news, but it seems like Kirk Heinrich has now become a Bulls ambassador as well. Um, I know he was doing work with the Bulls just going back even to last year because I, I looked up to try to find, like, an official report uh, there isn't one out there, but I know Kirk Heinrich is doing it because somebody had asked us a few weeks ago what he was up to. But I'm just looking at a uh, Sam Smith mailbag from last year at the end of May, and it said he was doing some type of work for the Bulls. But I think it's been more official now. But yeah, it's not a it's not a great look when you're you know are you second or be- third best player in Bulls history? It says he doesn't even know the guys on the roster. So yeah, I, we always keep saying that. Where's rock bottom? Have we reached rock bottom yet? And we seems like we continuously find a different rock bottom for this team. Um, but I guess the only way to look is up, even though you might be a thousand feet underwater. So I don't, I don't know. It's not a good know. look maybe, though. Maybe, uh, maybe the coronavirus striking and putting a pause on this season and likely ending this bold season uh, prematurely was the, the blessing that we needed and that this is in fact rock bottom and things are on their way up and that the front office change that we have as a fan base that have been clamoring for for years is finally going to come that John Paxson will not have a say in these meetings and that Reinsdorf will hopefully do the best he can through this interview process and then step away and let the new person run things, bring in a better coach, bring in some other complimentary pieces as they move forward, you know, although that's going to be hard to do with their cap situation this off season. But like you said, you know, we don't know if this has been rock bottom yet, but God, I hope so. I think that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, if you want to drop us a voicemail or a text, be on the show for Mailbag next week. Anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. You can tweet at us or DM us at Jordan C. Maui, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. 
if you're trying to find content or podcasts, new podcasts to listen to, and maybe you're a baseball fan or you're a hockey fan, whatever the case may be, you're just a Chicago sports fan in general, I cannot suggest enough. Locked on Blackhawks, Bulls, Sox, Bears, and Cubs with our guy Sean Sears, Chris Tannehill, Herb Lawrence, Lauren Cox. All of those guys do an absolutely wonderful job here in the Chicago market. And Jay Zawoski with Locked On Blackhawks. So if you're looking for a new daily podcast on top of this, some of this Bulls stuff, uh, those guys have been pumping out content left and right. So definitely go subscribe to them. Give them a five-star review as well as us. Give us a five-star review. Um, again, one more time before we're out of here for the weekend. If you want a restaurant, a bar, local business that is staying open throughout this coronavirus uh outbreak we definitely want to help so we want to at least give you guys a mention so anybody that's in the chicagoland area that may be listening to our show can kind of help out your business as well so you can drop us a voicemail dm or text on our text and voicemail line we'll do our best next week to try to promote those businesses as much as possible but for matt peck i'm jordan malley bulls nation have a wonderful weekend stay safe out there and we'll talk to you guys on monday paul zipster who we're high on Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 